that I'm excited to continue in our series in just a moment. I do want to invite us to do something we do every Sunday here, and that's really to celebrate those that are here for the first time. Can we just honor them and applaud, welcome? If it is your first time, we're so grateful that you're here. If it is your first time and maybe you haven't been in church for a season here at Hillside, we, I like to say this sometimes before the message, no matter what you get out of the service, can I just be one of many to let you know God loves you? And to let you know that he's not far from you. That if you need him for anything and everything, he's available. And in fact, the scriptures point to this reality that he's been with us from the very beginning, from from our most formative ages. Psalm 139 even declares that before uh, our mother had us, we were formed together in the womb. That's how intimate and intricate God's relationship with us is. And so if you're here and you've, you've got a, a little bit of shame going on, a little bit of fear going on, know this, that God loves you, He sees you, He forgives you, He has a heart full of mercy towards you. And here's your part. Call upon His name and be saved. Amen? Call upon His name and be saved. So whether that's already happened or it's going to happen in the service sometime in this message or it happens on the parking lot as you're leaving, know that God is near and that he loves you. Amen. And we believe here so much so that we even have it on the walls upstairs. Jeremiah 29 11, a promise over your life that God has good days for you. Good days, hope-filled days. So if you're stuck in a season of suffering or disappointment, listen, we get to walk through seasons. Amen. We don't have to make our, uh, our life in a season. We can trust that God's going to lead us through it. Amen. Well, hey, that was all free. No charge for that and nothing to do with the sermon, but you're welcome. Okay. I want to get into uh, mixed emotions, how to deal with what you feel. Listen, this probably isn't for you, but it's for the person next to you. In fact, why don't you turn to somebody next to you and just say, hey, this is for you. This is for you, okay? As I said, it's not for you. It's, it's, it's for the person next to you. Some will realize what I just did there. But here's, here's one of the things I know. Here's one of the things I know. The, 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 longer, the longer I grow and go in my relationship with the Lord, one thing becomes apparent. Jesus knew what he was talking about. And not only did Jesus know what he was talking about, his words lead to life. But they require our obedience. Uh, in my uh, quiet time this morning, the, the gospel reading that I follow for this week, I'll be reading it every day in the morning this week. It's also out of the book of Matthew. I believe it's in chapter 22. This isn't part of the message again. 22, Jesus was asked by an expert in the law, what is the greatest commandment? You remember that conversation? And Jesus says it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. What's he saying there? With everything we have to love God. That takes intentionality. It takes focus. And one of the other things he says, which is right next to it, to love your See, I told you. Y'all got it going on. Love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, let me take a quick poll. I just want to see where the message might land today. How many of you find loving your neighbor super easy? We got one. We can work with one for the rest of us. All right. I want to encourage you. This message is going to help you out because I truly believe 
that one of the marks of spiritual maturity is loving others well. Loving others well. And I believe for, for um, that to happen, we've got to be aware of our inner life. We've got to be aware that all of life really begins on the inside. Um, the blame game is to project what we're feeling or walking through on everybody else. The trouble with that is Proverbs 4.23 it says, listen, your life begins in the heart. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart. And right before that, it says, above all else. Prioritize the heart. Prioritize the heart. You're probably familiar if you watch the news or you uh, uh, just follow uh, corporations or uh, school systems or just the news in general, life in general, the political uh, situation, you can see something on display almost every day. And it is people who have an incredibly high IQ get in trouble because of their EQ. Like they're very smart they, they, they didn't get where they are by being silly or stupid or uh, intellectually immature. No, 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 no. They got into some mixed up trouble, and it could be traced back to the heart. So last week, I shared a message entitled, Start with the Heart. Y'all had so much fun. It was, it was so encouraging. In, in fact, I think I heard, whew, by more people than ever after last week's message. Well, there's a good chance it's going to happen again today. I'm just going to prepare you. So if your seatbelt's not on, you could go ahead and put it on. But I want to, I want to, I want to begin with guard, guard, guard your heart because you're hearing it, but some of you, this isn't me calling you out, okay? This is the, the scriptures. Some of you just aren't doing it. Like, you're not doing it. You hear it, and I'm one of those people, by the way. You're hearing it, you got to memorize, but you're just not doing it. Let me break down the word guard. Guard. G-U-A-R-D. What comes to mind? Guard. You know what comes to mind for me? It could be that for the third time running, Kelly and I have made our way through Downton Abbey, everybody. So, so, I, so I go back to Buckingham Palace. You familiar with the guards? I don't think they're really guarding Buckingham Palace. They're pretty much there for show. But I think of Buckingham Palace. And what are they, what are they supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be alert. They're supposed to be on guard. Or we could go a little farther east into Asia here and think of the Great Wall of China. You familiar with the Great Wall of China? What's the, what was its intended purpose? To be the Great Wall of China, like guarding that nation from other nations or uh, illegal immigrants, so to speak. But you think about guarding. You think about when you go to the mall. Paul Blart Mall Cop, baby. What is that? That is all about somebody taking care of the ball. It's safety. I think about me when I was guarding my daughters in the playground. Now, nobody trained me. This was in no books I read. My parents never called me or texted me. This was learning on the spot, somebody. It's called the playground, the most dangerous place in any playground for a two to four-year-old is the swings. Not being on the swing, somebody. It's a moment you had no idea was going to happen. That of the entire 4,000-acre playground, your daughters were like, I wonder if I can walk straight through behind all the swings while eating a lollipop. 
I never moved so fast in all my life as, no, you know, running and jumping, pulling my, guarding our daughters, protecting them, keeping them safe. It's a responsibility. Scriptures say you have a responsibility. And here's the, here's the news. It's no one else's responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility. It's your responsibility to guard your heart, to protect your heart, to cultivate your heart. The NLT, the New Living Translation, it would say that, that guarding your heart is such a priority because out of it flows the direction of your life. So it's important. It's not haphazard. It's not, it's not just take it or leave it, good days, bad days. No, it's to daily practice cultivating your heart. That It has to do with things like what you listen to, what you watch what you meditate on, who you let in, the voices in your life, and who holds a greater authority than, than other authority. It's all of those things playing. Today, I don't want to cover those things. Today, I want to cover something you've probably got down pat. Guarding your heart against, this is easy, again, easy, but your seatbelt's on, so I'm just going to say, guarding your heart against unmet expectations. Come on, how many of you know that's easy territory, Pastor? Like, we've we graduated that. Come on, get... That's what I thought. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. You, you know what an expectation is. We, we can define what an expectation is. It's the, the act or state of expecting. Well, no doubt. It's the act or state of expecting. The act or state of looking forward or anticipating. Especially in relationships, how many of you know unmet expectations get us all kind of crazy? Maybe I'm just talking about myself. There is no greater percentage when they have surveyed all of the global population for an eye roll than when an unmet expectation is happening between a teenage daughter and a father. No, no greater territory. Unmet expectations. James chapter 4 verse 1, James, the half-brother of Jesus, you know James, he wrote the book of James, uh, there you go, and in his letter, chapter 4 verse 1, he kind of calls out, he kind of calls out, he says, hey, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And, and the, the, the audience, I feel, is like, they do. James is like, hey, what causes <laughs> unmet expectations? They do. It's their problem. It's their fault. They, man, if they weren't, you know, you know, if they weren't so good looking, I'd have it easy. You know, if they were on time, I'd be okay. If they thought about me for once, it would all be smooth sailing. And James is like, no, 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 no. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from... Oh. Your desires, that battle within you. And come on, some of us, we've got books, we've got studies, we've got certificates. <laughs> we are professional blamers. We like to push the reality of that away. You follow Christ long enough, you realize He wants you to become responsible for your heart. Staying connected, breathing, and life with Him, that eternal, abundant life. 
can be experienced here now, even on earth, that relationship with him, and that we steward our hearts wisely. Almost titled this sermon, keyword almost, here's what I almost titled it, before it's you, it's me, but that was too painful, so that's why it's almost the title. And my reality is, before it's you, before I want to pass the blame or, or let you know all of the areas you're malfunctioning or all of the areas and, and why I'm so fired up right now and why my voice is 10 decibels too loud, and uh, before I want to blame you, I, I need to take responsibility and recognize it's me. In James 4.1, that's exactly what it says. Don't, don't they come from, from your desires that, that battle within you? Not all of them are impure, because let's be honest, that's what an unmet expectation is. Sometimes there's some really good intentions of the heart, but then somebody steps in and misses that expectation. Like, there are some expectations that are completely righteous, completely justified, completely pure, completely holy, but Paul knew, the Apostle Paul, we'll get there in a moment, Paul knew what we should all know. We're dealing with fellow human beings that aren't yet Christ-like, aren't yet perfect. For fun, I want to take us a few places of where unmet expectations happen. They're all over the place. So I was thinking a little bit about my life, not your life, my life. I was thinking about the grocery store. Come on, you ever had an unmet expectation at the grocery store of somebody? How about the sale item at checkout at the grocery store? You ever had that? Were you and the cashier, you have different expectations of what that item should cost. You ever experienced that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that one of the, your favorite things, you know? It's like, man, going into the grocery store, I hope there's a mix-up. This will be great. <laughs> Something happens to me on the inside. Some of you are more holier. You don't experience what I'm talking about. So let me move on to another example, the workplace. How about this? You ever had a coworker who has been consistently kind? And encouraging, suddenly is short-tempered and irritated with you all the time. And then they don't tell you why. You ever had that? Or here's another fun place. You're going to love this. The school system. You ever seen this? The school system. How about this? You go to a parent-teacher conference and find out your perfect child isn't exactly perfect. Or how about this? You go to the conference and find out the teacher you thought was perfect isn't perfect? Yeah. Or the health system. How about you go to the hospital? You enter the health system and you're convinced until they tell you, look, our doctors are practicing medicine. You're like, no, I am not paying this money for people that are practicing. I am, I am paying for professionals. They better figure this out. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing better than go to the hospital and be like, man, we just, we just don't know what's wrong. You mean to tell me we got all of the best minds in this whole region and nobody figured it out? Come on. Expectations. There could, be a, there could be a gap. We can also bring this into church. I know, I know none of y'all have ever done this, but some people do this in church. They have specific expectations that have to be met in order for them to be at peace and comfortable. And some of those things are just, they're universal. We get it. But you ever had an unmet expectation? Somebody says something, or somebody sings something, or somebody prays something, or somebody look at you somewhere, and there's like, ooh. And then that unmet expectation, not again you, but the, the, 
person you said this to, not you, the person you said this to. That unmet expectation turns to assumptions. You ever made assumptions? You know what assumptions do, right? They make a King James donkey out of you and me. You know that, right? That's what assumptions do that. They leave, they leave you in this gap, this, this space. And, and I don't know, again, I'm just talking about myself, y'all. I'm not, if this helps, I hope it does. It's Pastor Appreciation Sunday, so it really doesn't matter. I, can't, I can make no mistakes today, all right? Just, if you didn't know what, what uh, Tom and Marlene were saying, that's what they were saying. Ah, uh, Here's the deal. That unmet expectations, here's the thing. We, 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 we create a gap. Let me just get to it. We create a gap between us and them. This is so mind-blowing. I made an illustration. Look at that. Just take it in. Wow. There's a gap of unmet expectations. Here's the wow part. We put things in that gap. You didn't even know you were doing it. You thought you were the only person in the whole world who knew how to distance, who knew how to cut off, who knew how to step into conflict and get angry. You were convinced. You learned that all by your lonesome and your family of origin had nothing to do with it. Well, I'm bursting bubbles today. We step into unmet expectations, and here's, here's what we fill it with. And nobody told you this when you were getting your doctorate. Nobody told you when getting your master's. When you sat down to watch all those videos about being trained for work and interpersonal relationships, nobody told you that in the middle of the gap, here's what's, here's what's spilling out, who you are. And then, who you've become. It's on show in unmet expectations. It's on show. Who you are, the true you, is almost always revealed in an unmet expectation. You're like, no, no, that's not fair. I know, right? It's totally unfair, but it is what it is. It doesn't happen when expectations are met. It happens when expectations are not met. Like, Green lights, my daughters will tell you. Papa, happy. On the way to school, nothing but green lights. It doesn't matter if we're listening to the Newsy soundtrack. It doesn't matter if we got on Disney Princess music. If green lights, cars are all in harmony and unison, all is well with the world. You start throwing some red lights. Well, now, guess what? Now I got to run. Now I got to run red lights. And that <laughs> always has consequences for me. And the consequences always get me irritated. My whole blame game, I get into that, that cycle. But what's on display for my daughters? I thought I could keep it a secret from them. But I couldn't. Who are they getting? Well, they got who, who I am. <laughs> and then they got who I've been coming. So all of the unhealed hurt, boom. All of my always and never statements, Boom, 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 boom. All of my, well, you know, it's not my fault. My dad and mom gave me my anger. They get that. They get what you know. It's the, girls, this is a lot for you to handle, but it's, it's the president's fault. I said, it is the president's fault for my budget. I'm just going to say it. What do they get? They get, they get all the blame, all the finger pointing. <laughs> I got smart girls. They, they get all of that. And, and here's what we do. We can bring up the next slide. We put in who we are and who we've become. All of the reactions 
all of the frustration, all of the anger, I'll just shoot straight about myself, all of my immaturity and insecurity gets flashed up in the air like a bat symbol. Oh. Oh. But here's the deal. When everybody's doing everything I want all the time, and as Tom pointed out so eloquently, when everybody agrees with every piece of every sermon, all is well. When everybody's smiling at me in life, when my team's always winning, when everything is going in my direction, those are good moments. Those are wonderful seasons. It's beautiful. I mean that. Have joy in those seasons. Scripture encourages us, have joy even in the seasons when that's not happening. And the Apostle Paul, it's like Scripture is hard enough, right, sometimes? But then Paul writes hard enough Scriptures from prison. You're like, come on, Paul. Get over yourself, man. You've got to do this in prison. It's such a challenge, at least to my... <laughs> My own pride. It's like, seriously, where was he writing that? In Abu Dhabi, in one of the new luxurious condominiums? No, he's writing this in a prison cell. Here's what he says should be filled in the gap. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Listen, when, 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 when you're used to living a certain way, here's what I want you to put in the gap. Colossians 3, he says, Colossians 3, 12 through 13. He says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another, if any of you has a grievance with someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. What? That's what Paul says. We're to do with our inner life. Clothe yourself. The first part of Colossians 3, he's telling you, how you were clothed. You could go there if you like. You can read how the, the, the way you handled your sexuality and immorality, the way you handled your temper and anger, the way you handled your thinking and the direction of your heart. Like Paul's like writing it all out. And we're like, oh yeah. They make docu-series out of that on Peacock and Netflix. And yeah, I'm familiar with that territory. And, and then you're like, oh, I had some of that in me. Okay, okay. And so what does Paul do? Paul writes the letter to this early church. And let me just say you in the, the, tell you, in the, the area of Colossa, these were not just Jewish believers. Jewish believers had been walking, I should say this, a little more morally than the Gentiles. Because they knew better. They had the first testament. They had the Ten Commandments. They had the first five books of Moses. They had the prophets. Like, they were aware 
of behavior and consequences. They were familiar with reap what you sow. They, 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 it was in their, their, their cultural direction. Well, here in the Colossae, this, this city that you can imagine as a part of the Roman Empire was given over to conducting themselves to appease the little g-o-d-s's, the little gods. They could live in this realm of whatever feels good in the moment, I'm going to do it. And Paul is saying, ooh, that's who you used to be. That's, that's the old, here is the new. And one of his favorite turn of phrases is, clothe yourself. And I've been meditating and thinking about this. I've actually really tried to intentionally begin my day with Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Putting it on my mind. I did it right over there in the parking lot. Y'all are really easy to get along with. But nonetheless, I did it right over there in the parking lot. I was, Lord, Lord, help me to be kind. Help me to be patient. Help me to have compassion. God, there's probably going to be some people who are going to need some compassion. And, 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 and I have no idea what they walk through this week, but they're going to need it. Probably going to be some people who need prayer, God, who, who need me not to be thinking only about myself and what I've experienced, but to get my eyes on them. And, and, and Paul says, what does he say in 13? Bear with one another. Bear with each other. That's a, that's a beautiful statement of, you know, this can happen in the middle of an argument. Been there. It's, it's not us and them. The unmet expectations turn to us versus them, somebody. And so we, we're in the middle of a fight. And we arguing, we frustrated, and then it dawns. Oh, oh. Bear with each other. Hey, you know what? You know what? Let's just, let's just have it. I don't know if I'm wrong or not. But all I know is this distance doesn't have to exist. We can, we can walk in harmony. We can walk in unity. Harmony and unity, how many of you know, is not everybody seeing eye to eye and having the same opinion. No, it's deliberately choosing to walk despite differences, to walk in the same direction. And that's what Paul's inviting us to do. Have you ever been in an argument and then the other person, they do this, they do this here at Hillside too. You should be forewarned. You're in an argument with somebody and then they're so uppity. They drop kindness in the middle of the room. I'm like, no, I don't need you kind right now. I need you riled up. Or how, or how about I'm, I'm done, I'm distancing. And then, and then they text. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, forgive me. Or even worse, they send you an encouraging text. <laughs> what is that? That is the Holy Spirit's supernatural activity called diffusing the situation. You ever been in an argument and then kindness shows up, what happens to the argument? Falls into the shadows. You ever been walking in an unmet expectation, and then here's the kicker, you choose to apply kindness, and it brings a supernatural sense of peace? You ever been in a season of cutoff, 
and then all of a sudden you practice gentleness and that distance is removed. Paul says, don't hope for that on the best days. Paul says, clothe yourself daily, 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 daily commit to this. Come on, we do this. We show up with the wrong clothes on. <laughs> That's fun. My daughter this week, it was career day at the school, and she was really nervous the day before. She's like, Dad, I'm not going to do it. I was like, why are you not going to dress up? Come on, just throw on t-shirt and jeans. She's, she's like, I'm not going to do it. I've done it before, and I'm the only one. Everybody wears their uniforms, and here I am, dressed like a photographer. <laughs> Praise God, my prayers worked because career day, that day, she shot up early. She's like, Dad, I'm going to do it. I said, good, go for it. But you know what it's like. You show, you show up with the wrong clothes on or you're invited this time of year. You can get invited to, a, to a, 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 a friend's gathering and everybody's like, yeah, wear a funny costume. And you do. And it was a prank on you, somebody. Oh, I guess not. Okay, me neither. <laughs> me neither. I'm just, I'm just trying to relate with you. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, <laughs> you show up, what do you do? What do you do? You got the wrong clothes on. We got the wrong clothes on. We got the wrong clothes on. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Many times, followers of Christ, well-intentioned followers of Christ, they thought it was all about memorizing Scripture. They thought it was all about showing up and attending church. They thought it was all about dressing up in a suit and tie. They didn't realize it was an issue of the heart. Jesus, in conversation with the Pharisees, he addressed this very issue. Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7, my favorite portion, most important portion of Scripture. It's the Sermon on the Mount. What is Jesus doing? He's adjusting one's heart to the likeness of the kingdom of God. What is Paul doing? He's attempting to adjust our way of thinking and way of living to the kingdom way of thinking, to the kingdom way of living. It's appropriate to always remember with Paul, never forget he had signed papers affirmed by the Jerusalem uh, leadership in the church, uh, not in the church, excuse me, the Jewish leadership and community. High priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, he had signed papers with scriptures referenced affirming his journey from Jerusalem to Damascus to murder Christians. This same Paul encountered the living Christ and was never the same. He encountered the living Christ. And what happened in that moment? His heart, his heart was transformed. That's what we're after. And so sometimes you may not know enough scripture to get this kind of trickery in your system. But some of us who were self-righteous professionals for seasons, we have scriptures to back up our arguments, to back up our defenses. And we're walking on the way to Damascus, seething, plotting, revenge, frustrated, unjustified. And, and, and Kelly's like, you're never justified for that face. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, get behind me, get behind me. And then, and then ding, 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 ding. Oh, as God's 
chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's our identity. We're dearly loved. We're dearly loved. We don't have to live with a shame voice. Why? We're dearly loved. We don't have to live with a fear voice. Why? Because we're dearly loved. If we didn't encounter that in our root system of life from our family of origin or from formative years, if all we were taught was anger, bitterness, rage, this is what gets the job done, son, you know, and what happens? We can change those clothes for Christ's clothes. Now we can walk into relationships, the most intimate of relationships from marriage, from family, from friendships, And here's what's wild. We can get our expectations correct. And what does that look like? It it looks like this. There's a good chance I have no idea how you're going to behave, but I know this. I can't control how you're going to behave, but I have responsibility of how I'm going to behave, and I've chosen to put on some new clothes. Thank you for recognizing. They are compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then verse 14, it says this, And over all these virtues, put on agapei, love. Not eros love, like, got enough of that. Not phileo love. We certainly don't have enough of that. Brotherly, sisterly love. Put on agape e love, which is a self-giving, self-sacrificing love. That's the straight and narrow path. Is a road of love. Self-sacrificial. Others thinking. Paul says, put that on which binds them all together in perfect unity. But here is where, whoop, it starts. See yourself as God's chosen. See yourself as God's chosen, holy and dearly loved. When you can see yourself in light of the affection that heaven has towards you, you can begin to offer that affection towards others. It's practicing every day who I am in Christ. See yourself differently. Clothe yourself differently. Respond differently. Treat others differently. That is to forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's the test. Y'all were thrilled with this, who were here last week, so I thought I'd do it again. Here's the test. Just three questions. Again, not invasive, really easy to work through, tongue-in-cheek. Who did I last yell at and why? This is fun, isn't it? Who did I last yell at and why? Who am I avoiding and Why? Who do I hope fails and why? 
Nothing tests the heart like those three questions. (laughs) Who did I last yell at and why? Who am I avoiding and why? The why gets to what we're in. And who do I hope fails and why? We can be forgiven for not knowing any better. But if we are in Christ, now we know better. We're responsible for what's going on on the inside. And the Lord is calling us into a new level for some, myself included, a new level of maturity, spiritual maturity, not intellectual maturity, not information maturity, lifestyle maturity, where patience is on the scene, where compassion is on the scene, where gentleness is on the scene, where, where, where love is holding them all together. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is possible through you. And Lord, I'm not going to ask you to change anybody's behavior right now. I'm going to ask one thing of you, Father, that we would have a revelation of how dearly loved we are by you that we would have a revelation of how dearly we are loved we are by you, God, and that that vision would take root in our heart and it would form the way we talk, the way we pray, the way we sacrifice, the way we live with others as dearly loved holy people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.